She did a Her Way podcast episode 209, Making Yourself the Center of Your Universe with Pandora Paloma. Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Happy Thursday, friends. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm hanging out with Pandora, who is the creator of Rooted London, and she is a holistic nutritionist and a life coach who specializes in self-love, empowerment, and intuitive living and eating. So in this episode, we talk about struggling with body image issues growing up and how she dealt with eating disorders, roller coaster diets that negatively affected her health and confidence. And so at 27, we talk about her transition from full-time employment into her entrepreneurship and where she finds herself at today with Rooted London. Things we cover in this episode stems from figuring out how to develop services and products for your business, find joy in the little things in life, which is so, so, so important, especially as an entrepreneur, because sometimes your world can just be so magnifying that we forget to really take time to smell the roses, if you will. We also talk about stop defining your happiness by other people's standards, which is absolutely incredible, important to not do and to only define our happiness by ourselves and who we are as individuals. Figure out healthy ways to cope with stress and anxiety. Begin doing what you want to do, not what you should do. And come up ways to connect with your customers. So coming up next, we have with Pandora Paloma. Hey friends, for today's podcast episode, I have partnered with FreshBooks. And before I dive into who and what FreshBooks is and what they do, I want to share how grateful I am for the sponsors of this podcast. Because of them, it allows me to free up my time to focus on content building and serving you guys, my people, my listeners, to help grow your business and create profits in your business. And now, uh, speaking of profits and business... Let's get back to FreshBooks. So you guys have all heard me talk about them, but I've never gotten into the nitty gritty as to why I absolutely love them. So FreshBooks is ridiculously easy accounting software designed with the freelancer or service-based businesses in mind. And it is extremely intuitive and user interface when you log in actually makes you want to hang out for a bit longer versus some other accounting software accounting systems that can be extremely overwhelming. So I use FreshBooks for my contract work and it makes makes it super easy to create an invoice, follow up, draft an invoice so that I never forget to collect money and create expense reports. Also in FreshBooks, they have this amazing time tracker. So you can not only keep track of your time, but if you use contractors, you can invite them to your team and actually watch and have them keep track of their time. So everything I just shared is from personal experience and it is not from some script. I've actually had interaction. I've used the product and their customer service team is amazing. So if you're in need of a software accounting software, head on over to freshbooks.com forward slash she and then enter in she did it her way in the how did you hear about us box. So now on to the show. 
Okay, you guys are tuning in. We have Pandora Paloma, who is the founder of Rooted London on the podcast. I'm super excited to chat with Pandora and learn about her journey and things that she's learned along the way as she has stepped into this amazing person that she is and her business and what that all entails. So Pandora, welcome to the show. Hello from London. How are you doing? Yeah, good. I know. I love like I just love hearing that accent. It's so fun. I love it. Why don't you share with our listeners, with the listeners, what it is that you do today and then let's dive into your journey and how you found yourself there. Yes, absolutely. So I'm a holistic nutritionist and a life coach um, and I specialize in self-love empowerment. So I work uh, a lot with women's health and I also work with intuitive living and eating. So um, lots of kind of nutrition as we know it here today is very led by sort of superfoods and trends. And actually, I bring people back into their own bodies um, and get them to kind of engage with you know, what their body's saying and using sort of those um, those those tools and, and recognizing really kind of how you can heal the body with your own medicine. So that's me. I love it. How did you get on this journey and what inspired you to move down this path? Yeah, so, I mean, I always have had image, uh, sort of it, problems with body image um, from a, quite a young age. Um, you know, found eating disorders in kind of quite a light way so you know I would have days where I just starved myself and then I would binge eat and I just was constantly kind of in a battle with my body um and worked my way to the top in um in a PR career and then when I hit 27 it was just a bit like is this it is this you know is this my path is this my journey and um so I started sort of thinking about other things that I was really into and at the time it was sort of health and wellness and um, I was doing a lot of yoga at the time. So I decided to retrain um, as a nutritionist and I also retrained as a, as a yoga teacher as well. And that understanding of kind of what was going on inside my body and then also, you know, alongside the yoga yoga teacher training, which was very much kind of what I was holding in the body, um, just gave me this basis actually that we should be kind of really tuning into the body and listening to what it's telling us and almost allow it to guide us in life. And um, yeah, so I so I retrained, and here I am today with my practice um, and online programs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so it's a bit of a bit of an odd sort of journey, but it was a beautiful one all the same. Yeah, well, I would love for you to share more about when you were 27, working at a PR company, and kind of had this wake up where it's like is this where I want to be? Does this make sense? Talk to us about, like, take us back to that moment when you realized and started peaking interest that there was something potentially else out there for you. Yeah. So, um, so I basically, you know, worked my way to the top. I was sort of director level, um, had a big team of like nine people below me. Um, and I think really I, I suppose I sort of lost the love of doing the job. So, I, you know, when you're when you're a PR and you're getting coverage and it's, um, you know, it's all very exciting at that point. And obviously, I got to a stage where I was just kind of managing the team, so I was mainly doing budgets and strategies. So I think a little bit of that love, you know, was taken away from me. Um, I don't know whether you know of, of a concept called Saturn return, but it's when um, the planet Saturn completes its orbit around the sun, which coincides with the time of our birth. Yeah. And 
um, they say it kind of happens around sort of every 29, 27 to 29 years. Um, so I definitely feel like I had my Saturn return. I sort of hit 27 and was just a bit like, oh, is, you know, is this it? Is this what I want to do? Is this, you know, my, am, I, am I speaking my truth? Um, and yeah, so I just sort of had to really look at kind of what else I enjoyed. And obviously, you know, I, I worked in fashion and beauty and that was something I had always enjoyed. I'd always sort of pick up Vogue, but then I'd always look at things like women's health. So I was kind of in between the two. Um, and I just, you know, I suppose at that point, I'd just chosen that one path. So it just gave me an opportunity to actually start looking at other things in my life that I was interested in and maybe how I could start thinking about using that as a career. And then how did you, like, when did you take the leap or how did you know it was time to leave the PR world and then go full time in, in this new venture world that you were in? Yeah. So I, um, I'd been working specifically in sort of beauty, actually. I, I was working for a company. I worked for Selfridges, which is like the big, big department store here. And then I went to another company to work on, work on big Procter and Gamble accounts. Um, and then I decided that actually maybe, maybe it was just a job. Maybe I didn't want to do beauty PR anymore. Maybe I wanted to go and do something different. So I went to a different company that did sort of bigger campaigns for big companies. And um, I was there just six months. And actually the the, the transition for me was was really um, a, a good one. And actually it's something I, you know, if I work with people on a life coaching basis now that are in a similar situation, I kind of guide them in the right way. So I went freelance. And for two years, I worked as a freelancer. So I worked from home, um, from my computer, anywhere I wanted to be in the world, you know, anywhere I wanted to be, really, um, for one company. And it was between um, Ibiza, which is just off Spain, and and the UK. And so that um, basically was a really nice step because it meant I sort of had priority over my own time. Um, I wasn't doing the nine to five um, which meant I just felt a little bit more flexible in terms of, you know, as long as I got the work done, then I could do it, you know, it, it, during the day, during the evening, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then it, I kind of almost needed to do that even more. I needed to be on my own time even more. So at this point, I, I ended up having my own client that I was working on, um, on, on communications for. And so I left the, the one company I was working for and I ended up having a couple of my own clients, which basically meant I was free to sort of, you know, one day I would be doing PR, the next day I would be studying for an exam and then that morning the next morning I'd be teaching yoga and then I had to do a bit for PR so it, it, it meant I was kind of juggling quite a few things but I was managing to fit everything in and still you know get a bit of time off and um, financially that worked for me as well because I wasn't being paid a set amount I was kind of quite flexible in you know what I was able to charge as a, as a PR and also you know then start looking at how I would start to run um, different yoga events and nutrition events um, and then I started doing things like supper clubs and I did a little bit of catering as well for, for sort of photo shoots obviously I had this sort of fashion background um, and up until I, I then qualified as a nutritionist and then from that point um, I really sort of pushed that aspect of it and then um, I must have a, a yearning for constantly wanting to to study because then I changed as <laughs> a life coach as well um, and here I am today but you know, even now and again, I'll pick up a little bit of PR work if it comes my way, um, because, you know, it's something that I now enjoy 
and it sort of keeps me in the game a little bit and it, it keeps me thinking creative um creatively about you know how we communicate um from, from a brand perspective so yeah okay I love it I have I wrote so many questions down because I'm so curious so then during that transition period for you that as like that freelancer for that two years and I love how you said you know you take that priority over your time and being able to get yourself in this position where then you can have that flexibility to do the things that you need to do to get where you want to go. How did you like during that transition of the two years and doing a little bit of everything and then um, getting your certificate for the nutritionist, like, was there any resistance or doubt that you ran into at that time where you're like, what is this for? Um, is this worth it? Like, is it going to work out? Did you have any of those thoughts or doubts along the way of that journey yeah completely I mean you know there were months where it was like it wasn't easy um when you're not having sort of a set income come in um but I think you know the 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 law of attraction you know positive thinking what you put out there you get back I just kind of always knew that it was going to be okay and you know what it it has I mean that there have been tough months I'm not going to lie um but I think the beauty of having being very flexible with your time means that you're always able to pick up a bit of work here and there um I do remember sort of a six-month period where I didn't have any much PR work um and I just went and worked in like my friend's bar for six months and it was just you know it was easy extra cash um and it meant I had my days free to teach um and to study so I think you know there's always going to be an element of doubt um but being able to just sort of get your ducks in a row and be be flexible definitely sort of kept me motivated um and 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 able to say yes to things that maybe if I'd have kept that nine to five and tried to build the business which I know a lot of people do and they end up sort of juggling those two and end up sort of working seven days a week um you you can't kind of say yes to things um that are last minute because you still have that nine to five role so it really worked for me in terms of sort of flexibility Mm-hmm. How did you come up with your, did you know in the beginning what you wanted to offer it like for product offerings or did that grow organically based on where you found yourself? Like if you could share with us a little bit about what are your product offerings and then how did you come up with them and the, the mindset around it? Yeah. So I think actually it was the mindset that came first for me. I was, I was, you know, really working, I was working for wellness brands, um, doing, you know, doing PR and I, was looking at the industry and thinking, well, no one's really talking about like what's going on in our body. No one's talking about intuition and, and intuitive eating. Um, it's all very, very trend led. So I, you know, I always knew that like the strap line was listen to your body and feed your soul. Um, so I kind of had the concept of the the business, and then it sort of developed as I've developed, um, you know, as an expert as well. So. As I say, it sort of started doing um, supper clubs. I love food and I wanted to share a more plant-based way of living to people in a, in a way that was kind of quite, quite you know, accessible. And so that started with supper clubs. Um, and, and then I was just doing catering on a sort of ad hoc basis. Um, and then obviously once I trained in nutrition, I sort of started just working, realizing, I suppose, that with the particularly women were coming in and saying to me, you know, I need, um, I've got this and I, I've got that and I need to, you know, work on losing some weight or gaining some weight or treating said disease. 
Um, and then as soon as I was like, okay, so, you know, and, and how are you? And how are you doing? What's going on with you? The amount of people that were just burst into tears. And it was, it was almost like, you know, I can help feed your body and, and nourish you, but we need to start nourishing your mind because, you know, your frame of mind isn't in the right place right now. You know, we need to get you thinking more positive and start reframing some of these negative um, associations with food or your life in general. And that's where sort of the life coaching came in um, because I wanted to feel like I was really able to be there for people and guide them on their journey um, from, you know, the foods that they were eating, but also to sort of how they were thinking. Um, and then the intuitive eating 10 week program came in because, uh, again, I wanted to sort of develop something that I could do from home and that I could sort of have um, that could be accessible to large numbers of people at any one time. And it sort of incorporates everything um, that I believe in with my with my messaging. So we start with self-love. We look at body acceptance. We look at food. Um, and, and it sort of, yeah, it really brings in everything that I stand for as a, as a nutritionist and a life coach. So that's kind of, you know, where the focus is now, um, really kind of developing that um, that program. What have, you, what have you found then with uh, your clients that you work with in terms of like what are the major one or two mind blocks that people have or breakthroughs that they have when you work with them? I would say there's a lot of um, difficulty in sort of knowing and understanding what your purpose is um, and a lot of, of, of stress around, you know, jobs and, and where they are in their life. I think we're always kind of, you know, we're so keen to get places and then we get there and think, well, actually, I don't feel any better. So for me, I see a lot of a lot of people in this, you know, in this place. Um, and it's about kind of reframing everything and seeing, you know, where in their life they're satisfied and where they're not satisfied, how we can how we can make you more satisfied. Um, from a nutrition perspective, fertility is probably, you know, one of the biggest um, that I'm seeing. And um, from a life coaching perspective, I think, you know, supporting people through anxiety and stress, you know, it's, it's, it's massively on the rise. And we're seeing a lot, a number of people who are kind of eating the right things and, you know, doing lots of yoga and they're, they're meditating, but they're still, uh, they're still missing something um, or still kind of trying to manage that anxiety. And so that's something that I work on quite a lot. Um, and yeah. you were saying like the anxiety is stemming potentially from just not understanding the purpose or where they're at. Yeah, not understanding the purpose. Um, and, and from a sort of nutrition point of view, I think people um, people do have quite a lot of sort of deep rooted associations with food, whether it's that they see food as a treat, which can be really negative to the mind because. As soon as you've had a bad day, you you, you go to use food as a, as a tool for satisfaction. Um, and so, you know, I'm really trying to address with people is that you've got to feel satisfied in other areas of your life. You've got to stop using food as, as a way to feel satisfied because it's it's so temporary. 
you know, you'll be satisfied for, for a moment and then you might overeat and then feel quite dissatisfied because you'll feel a bit sick. And then, you know, the circle continues. So, um, you know, if we can drive people to get really sort of really strong on satisfaction from every other element of their life. And that's from like finding joy in the really mundane things that you have to do on a daily basis, like your washing or, you know, washing up the dishes. Um to, you know, finding satisfaction with, with your love life, with your sex life, with your, you know, with your fitness. Like if fitness is not making you happy, stop doing that fitness that you're doing and find something that does, you know. It's like, you know, it, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of shoulds going, well, I know I should do that and I should eat this and I should feel this way and I, I probably should want to buy that, you know, expensive handbag because that's what everyone else does. And I'm like, take the should away. You know, what do you want to do? Like what's going on in there? Um yeah, so that's that's kind of what I see quite a lot. Mm, stop shooting. Stop shooting. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Like, there's so many times I unconsciously will say like, "Oh, I should do this," or maybe I like tell someone, "Oh, maybe you should," and then I'm like, "Wait, no, 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 no. I'm not going to tell myself. I'm not going to tell other people they should do this. You do it if it seems right to yeah. to you." Yeah, there's that a lot of pressure. I mean, I've like a perfect example is if it's really nice outside and you feel like oh you should go enjoy the the weather but all you want to do is stay inside and watch a movie then stay inside and watch a movie yeah exactly you know i get everyone to draw a circle and put a dot in the middle that's that's the circle is the universe and the dot is you so it's like you're the center of your universe and even like you know my my boyfriend my my child to be is going to be like slightly out of the uh, out of that little mini, mini circle in the middle because it's like I've got to look after myself first in order to look after you better you know because if I'm if my glass is half em- like half empty mm. you know wh- where's my power to to support you and and so that's something I you know drum into pretty much every client it's like you are the center of the universe so stop with the, the oh I should do this I should do that do what you want to do um and also with the with the should you know if it's if it's something like, um, oh, should, should I do that? Should, should I? Um, and it's something like, you know, going for a job interview. Um, I try and get people to change it. It's like, well, could you? You know, what could? If you if you swap that should to could, it kind of opens up a whole new conversation. Mm. Um, well, well, could I tra- go and travel the world? You know, like, could, could I do that? Yeah, of course you could. So go do it. Versus like, oh, well, sh- 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 you know, should I? Because that person's telling me that, I sh- you know, it just sort of opens up, um, you know, a, diff- a different kind of conversation, really. I love that. Swapping the should for the could. Yeah, it's good. That is good. really good. How do you, let's talk about like then, um, now that you're running your business and you have your product offerings, what's been the biggest growth area for you along your journey? Um, I think probably, you know, launching the intuitive eating program has been um, sort of a strong one for the business, just because I can have kind of 20 people on on one program, um, which means that I'm still kind of I'm still offering the tools to people. I'm still very much there and I do it a lot as a live webinar. Um, But a, you know, obviously I can do it from home, which means that I can cut, you know, the cost of travel or, you know, having a venue um but I still get to have sort of access to to everyone who's on the course and I, I give everyone a one-to-one with me on the phone beforehand as well um so that's been a big driver and I think you know there's an element of my work it's like I, I would I never go 100% digital because for me 
sort of being one-to-one and like actually physically being in a room with people brings me so much joy and it's very much part of kind of the foundations of my business um but definitely kind of opening up you know other areas has been really helpful for me in terms of managing time I don't think I could see clients every day five days a week because you know energetically it's quite draining um because you know I'm, I'm naturally going to take on board an element of, of some of the some of the people that I come into contact with um, and obviously I've you know I've got my tools to sort of make sure that I'm protected but I don't think I could do it every day in which case it's like you know so what do I do on my other days um, how do you protect can- yourself if you don't mind sharing some of those tools uh, no yeah so um, I'll have like a, a spray that I'll put on um, and before I see clients as well I might do a, a little bit of Reiki on myself just to you know, kind of really nurture my energy and make sure that my energy is really strong. Um, And then also there's like the idea of kind of wearing your invisible cloak. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I'm going into a situation where, you know, I've got to be strong for someone, I'll literally imagine that I'm wearing this like invisible cloak. I mean, sometimes it's almost like a bit of an eggshell. I'm like wearing an eggshell around myself. It's really strange. Um, But it's just kind of, you know, I imagine that I'm wearing this cloak and it's protecting me and my my energy Um, and it's really helpful and I use that you know personally as well if I know that I'm going to have like a awkward conversation with someone or you know um, I'm going to see someone in hospital um, and I really hate hospitals and I don't want to see you know my sister's not very well so you know I don't really want to see her sick I put that on and it gives me that strength to just kind of feel like I'm 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 protected really. And then um, I, yeah, I can only imagine too, especially working with people in and out and being cognizant of not taking over, not taking on, on their energy and protecting yourself. Um, mm-hmm. what are some ways that you've been able to sub- systematize or create routine and predictability in your business? Um, Well, I think, you know, early on, I still had PR clients, which um, which, which was really helpful for me because I always knew I was going to get a set amount um, of income per month. Always really helpful, I think, when you're growing a business. Um, And and nowadays, I'm just I'm really good at forecasting. Um, You know, I'll make sure that we've got maybe one event a month. So I always know that, you know, there's going to be a revenue stream from an event. There's going to be a revenue stream from an online program. There's going to be, you know, what I would imagine I sort of generate a rough number of how many clients I'm going to be seeing through the door. Um, And that in itself gives me a, a good basis of like, okay, well, this is what's coming in and this is what's going out. Um, I've, you know, I've made some mistakes over the, over the years, um, things like, um, having to hire a space for the whole day and then, you know, two of your clients cancel, you're not protected because they've canceled, which is also something you have to put in place, but then also, you know, got to pay the venue for the whole day, but actually you've only seen two clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I now have a space, um, that I, that I have where I can pay, you know, per session. So I pay essentially by the hour. And that in itself is always going to protect me because, you know, I basically don't pay for anything unless I've got those those clients booked in. Um, and I think, you know, having being able to generate revenue from from quite a few different streams is always helpful as well. You know, if I was solely reliant on my work as a nutritionist and life coach and seeing clients, well, I'd kind of be pigeon holding myself because, you know, where's the room to sort of, you know, generate revenue from elsewhere? Um 
and again sort of keeping my time quite flexible I'll sort of roughly have set days that I'll see clients um but that will be ever changing I might do a talk for a corporate brand or I might do a project with a corporate brand um or I might be used as an ambassador for a brand for a brand which you know obviously comes at a fee because it's my time um so there are lots of other ways of sort of generating revenue as an expert as well Mm-hmm. What have you found? What's been like the toughest decision you've made in your business so far? Um, hmm. I would say probably something to do with the catering. I, I did it quite early on and I found actually I found it quite stressful um, and I felt like I really wasn't taking hold of my stress um, at the time. And then I didn't I sort of let it go a little bit and then an opportunity came up about a year and a half later and I did it again and I was doing catering and I was really kind of keen at this point I was like you know I want to make it work and then that can be like a stream of the business that you know I'll see the clients and I'll have someone managing the kitchen um and as soon as I started doing it again it was like all of those old feelings came back of like actually no this is this is not this is not for you this is not what this is not your journey and um and I think sort of letting that go was, was quite a big decision because obviously I'd built it up to a certain point, but I just knew that my heart wasn't in it. And, you know, I could have got someone to, I could have employed someone to come on and, and, and taken it over and, you know, really kind of improved it and, and grown it. But it just didn't feel true to me and what I wanted my business to be about. So, so I let it go. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes I feel like there's those, we think it's we know it's not aligned but we're like okay I need a little bit more uncomfortableness to actually like hit me in the face and be like yeah no don't do this <laughs> yeah yeah completely and sometimes I mean this type for, for me that it was like second time around the universe was like I'm going to test you again and I'm going to see what you do again you know what I mean it was yeah like, <laughs> and but I'm glad I did it because I learned a lot on that second journey and you know you can't have regrets I think in business I, I read something a while ago it was like you know failure is not an option and I just thought well actually that's that's like that's crazy you know like you have to fail sometimes to know what went wrong and then to know not to do it again in the future and know how to deal with that situation um as it happens you know if 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 nothing bad ever happened well we'd never learn and in business there's always going to be you know a curveball that's thrown at you and you have to be in a situation where you feel mentally and physically ready and prepared to deal with that. So, you know, it's, it's good for sometimes things to kind of not not um, work out as you planned because it's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Love it. I totally 100% agree. So I have a few last questions for you before we wrap up. What has been one of your favorite books that you've read? Um, you know what? I've actually got it here. Um, Women's Body and Women's Wisdom Mm. by a woman called Dr. Christian. I can't remember her surname, but it's like it's like the Bible in uh, in women's health. And then also there's a book by um, Clarissa Pincola Estes, which is called Women Who Run With Wolves. And it's all about like female empowerment. And um, yeah, I really, really dig that book. It gives me a lot of inspiration. And it's all about kind of contacting and the power of like wild women and like our our inner force, our inner like feminine force, which I'm really big on. Women who run with wolves. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look that up. I've never, I've not heard of that one. 
Um, if you could wave a magic wand, what is the next thing that you would outsource in your business? Oh, I'd probably get a, um, a diary planner, <laughs> someone who could manage my diary. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just things like, you know, I have a certain amount of clients coming in and I have to always make sure that, you know, I book in their follow-ups. And at the moment, I'm sort of, uh, yeah, it would be really great to have someone just do that all for me. Manage the diary. What in this moment right now are you most excited and grateful for? Uh, my new house. We've just moved. Uh, we've actually moved from London. So we live on the coast now, down on the Kent coast. Oh. And um moving from London which is a city a very expensive city we've managed to get a really big house and uh I'm in a position where we're just sort of doing it up and buying beautiful things and I I feel incredibly grateful actually that I've created this life where I still get get my my London life and I still see my clients but then I have this like ultimate stillness that I found um in in a sort of you know in the countryside mm. I I think England is one of the most beautiful countries out there. It's so like quaint and yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I get to walk and you know, I've got two dogs and get to walk them every day on the beach and it's just like wow actually this is like you know that cuz the kind of certain kind of stillness that I don't think you can ever get in a city and um it's it's really worked for me. It's it's worked for the business because I feel like I'm I've got time and space to think about, you know, where we're going, where I'm going with it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. Oh, this is amazing. Pandora, thank you for coming on the show. Can you share with my listeners where they can find out more information about you? Yes, absolutely. So it's rootedlondon.com is my website and there's everything on there, including the journal, which is kind of my my thought process over the last however many years, um, recipes, and then obviously how you can work with me in details on the intuitive eating and living program. Uh, the next one launches in January. And if you want to catch me on Instagram, it's at Rooted London. And it's the same um, for Twitter as well. Love it. Thank you so much. Again, if you're just starting out with your business and you need an accounting software that is simple and easy to use, check out FreshBooks at freshbooks.com forward slash she and enter in She Did It Her Way in the How Did You Hear About Us box. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out shedidithherwaypodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.